0: Paul, in his enthusiasm, had raced on ahead and suddenly realized that he had missed out on something and corrected himself. We must remember he would have been walking up and down his cell dictating to his secretary, Pertius, who struggled to keep up with him. Now, regardless of this fact, Paul is writing specifically to the Gentiles. He has dealt with the claims over the Jews and their special privilege However, they did have an advantage over the Gentiles, and that was the law. So, what is the law? The first five books of the Bible that we read Genesis, to Exodus, and we continue on. Those are the books the Jews had privilege in knowing and reading. You see, the Jews would have known better because they knew the law. So the Gentiles proclaimed, Well, we didn't know it. Surely we should escape judgment. Not so, says Paul. He says we will be judged by what we have heard. And if we've heard the law, then we will be judged by that. But if we did not, then we will be judged as one who had not heard it. The same goes for anyone who has not heard the Christian message today, who lived before Christ or who lives in villages where the gospel is yet to reach. However, we will be judged by our reliability, our faithfulness, our devotion, and loyalty. But Paul continues by saying that if those who did not know the written law worked by an underwritten law in their hearts, we would know it as knowing what was right and what was wrong. We all know in our guts, in our stomachs, if our actions are right or wrong, good or bad. And we should always act upon what is right, right? Paul saw the world divided into two classes of people. He saw the Jews with their laws given to them directly from God and written down so that they all could read it while to the others without the written law, they had a God-given, or perhaps a God-implanted knowledge of right and wrong in their heart. However, neither could claim exemption from the judgment of God. The Jews could not claim exemption on the ground that they had a special place in God's plan, and the Gentiles could not claim exemption on the ground that they had never received the written law. The Jew would be judged as to one who had known the law and the Gentiles as one who had a God-given conscience. God will judge accordingly to what a person knows or has had the chance to know. Here I must stress that God's judgment is inescapable, verses 1 to 4. What is it about humanity that makes us critical of everyone else but ourselves? We can be making harsh comments about others while being lenient towards ourselves. We can claim a self righteous attitude regarding the appalling behavior of others, but the same behavior of our own. We see it as less serious. Prime ministers, presidents, and politicians can be added to the list here. And I have to even say, ministers of religion and of the Christian faith equally can be put in the same box. Paul in this passage argues that by doing so, we expose ourselves to the judgment of God with no excuse of escape. You see, if we make ourselves moral experts of others, we cannot plead ignorance of our own moral issue. And by judging others, we are condemning ourselves, because we who pass judgment do the same thing. And yet, we sometimes take refuge in this futile argument that we can escape God's judgment on a theological basis. We appeal, we appeal to God's character and to the richness of his kindness and generosity and patience. We say surely he is too kind and non-suffering to punish anybody and that we continue to sin with immunity. We even misapply scripture to our advantage, quoting, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. This does not show faith, but rather presumption. God's kindness should lead us to repentance. That is the goal. The space where we can repent and not continue to sin. In verses 5 to 11, we see that God's judgment is righteous. If we presume on God's loving kindness and ancient kindness, it's a sign of stubbornness and our unrepentant heart. Paul continues with God's righteous judgment. A quote from Psalm 62 or Proverbs 24 where God will give each person according to what he has done. It also occurs in the prophecies of Jeremiah and Hosea, worded as, I will bring down on their own heads what they have done. Jesus himself repeated it, as did Paul. And again, not surprisingly, we find it reoccurring in the book of Revelation. It must be said, though, that some people think that Paul has taken loss of his senses in saying that salvation is by faith alone, and then followed by saying, no, it is by good works. Paul is not contradicting himself. He is saying that although justification is indeed by faith, judgment will be according by works. When we are put under God's righteous judgment, it will be what we have done and seen to do, which will be our public evidence and a public sentence passed. The presence or absence of a saving faith in our hearts will be disclosed by the presence or absence of good works of love in our lives. Both Paul and James teach us the same truth. That authentic, saving faith invariably issues in good works. James said, I, by my works, will show you my faith. And Paul said, faith works through love. Verses 7 to 10, detail verse 6. Mainly that the principle of the basis of God's judgment will be what we have. Here lies two parallel sentences, carefully constructed, which concern our goal, what we seek, our works, what we do, and our end, where we are going. Verse 7 says, For those who patiently doing good seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give an eternal life. Verse 8 says, while for those who are self-seeking and who obey not the truth but wickedness, there will be wrath and fury. You see, those who earnestly seek God and seek God's blessing in doing good, they show the hallmark of genuine believers. Those who are self-seeking, infatuated with themselves, they reject the truth, and follow evil, and that will seal their faith. <clears throat> so to those who seek God and persevere in goodness, they will receive eternal life. While those who are self-seeking and follow evil, they will experience God's wrath. Verses 9-10 to 10 reinstates the same solemn alternatives with three differences first he simplifies the two categories of people into every human being who does evil verse 9 and everybody who does good verse 10 and as i said earlier jesus made the exact same division secondly paul explains their two destinies where one is in trouble and distress emphasizing its anguish and with the other as glory and honor, adding peace to those who have had a reconciled relationship with God and with each other. Lastly, Paul adds both sentences, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile, affirming the priority of the Jew alike in judgment and in salvation. Therefore, Declaring the absolute impartiality of God, but God does not show favoritism. So far, we have seen that the judgment of God will be righteous according to what we have done, impartial as between Jews and Gentiles, and without favoritism. All now develops in relation to the Mosaic law. Jews and Gentiles appear to differ. Fundamentally, from one another. And that the Jews hear the law, possessing it, listening to it in a synagogue every Sabbath day, whereas the Gentiles do not have the law. It was neither revealed to them or given to them. But Paul insists that they both have a heart that knows right from wrong. However, Paul states that all who sin, or more correctly translated, all who sinned. This point is this, that all who have sinned will perish, respectively, if Jew or Gentile, whether they have the Mosaic law or not. God's judgment will also include the hidden areas of our lives. God will judge our secrets. Scripture has already told us, that God knows our hearts, that there is no chance of a miscarriage of justice on that last day. All facts will be known, which include our motives. Secondly, God's judgment will take place through Jesus Christ. He claimed that the Father had entrusted all judgment to him, and he regularly spoke of himself as the central figure in the day of judgment. It was in Athens where Paul declared that God had fixed the day and appointed the judge. you remember when Peter met with Cornelius where he said, it is of great comfort to know that our judge will not be other than our Savior. But did you know that judgment is part of the gospel? For God will judge our secrets. All wrote, through Jesus Christ as my gospel declares. Now this probably means that the good news of salvation shines forth brightly when it is seen against the dark. The dark background of divine judgment. You see, we cheapen the gospel if we only say it is a deliverance from unhappiness, fear or guilt or other felt needs instead of a rescue from the coming wrong. This universal knowledge of God's law, which Paul has been explaining in verses 12 to 16, is an essential basis of both divine judgment and of Christian mission. Initially, the law is the basis of divine judgment. We have heard Paul saying that God has no favorites, that Jews and Gentiles will be judged by him without discrimination, and that those parties have some knowledge of his law. None of us can plead ignorance, but we all have sinned against a moral law that we have known in our hearts. The point here is that all humanity has known something of God and goodness and have suppressed the truth to indulge in wickedness. So rightly so, we all come under the judgment of God. Furthermore, the law is the basis of Christian mission, which includes both evangelism and social action. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was correct in his writings from prison during the Second World War when he said, I don't think it is Christian to want to get to the New Testament too soon or too directly. What did he mean by that? He knew that until the law has done its work of exposing and condemning our sin, we are not ready to hear the gospel of justification. It is hard for me to say this, as we're facing a difficult time ahead. But human beings are moral beings by creation. We are created to believe and act truthfully, while having a sense of guilt and remorse for what we have done wrong. Simply, if we do not, then sin has darkened our conscience. But did you know that feeling guilty is healthy? for it brings us back to our knees seeking forgiveness in That is something we can pray for the person who has swindled us. So our conscience is our ally. John Stott in his commentary wrote, In all evangelism, I found it a constant encouragement to say to myself, The other person's conscience is on my side. Even though it is not spoken of in Paul's teaching in verse 12 to 16, we can conclude that securing justice in society is another legitimate deduction here. For the same moral law which God has revealed in Scripture, he has also stamped on human nature. You see, he has written his law twice, internally as well as externally, in our hearts and through our Bibles. You see, there's a connection between the law in Scripture and in the law of human nature. Scott says, God's law fits us. It is a law of our own being. We are authentically human only when we obey it. When we disobey it, we not only rebel against God, we are contradicting our true self I believe every human community knows a sense of right and wrong, and an accepted set of values. Yes, I know that cultures can teach otherwise, but a bedrock of good and evil remains within each one of us. And that love is always accepted as superior to selfishness. I believe that lawmakers, politicians and educators can assume that God's law is good for society. And I also believe that many know it. But it's not a case of Christians trying to face their standards on an unwilling public, but rather to help others to see that God's laws, or God's law, is always for our own good. That is our challenge to stand up to. Is your life living up to God's standards? Or is it only seen on Sunday mornings? If that's the case, change your attitude. Bring before God your fears and your worries, your stubbornness too, and ask him put his law into your hearts and mine. Take a moment to reflect on God's word. Has it spoken to your heart? You've been challenged. You need to do something about it.